Welcome to Chief Digital Heroes, where we celebrate those who lead the charge on all things digital transformation at the world's most innovative banks and financial institutions. Here's your host, Matthew Van Niekerk, CEO and founder of Settlement. Now, let's jump right into today's episode. Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of Chief Digital Heroes. Today, I'm speaking with Alexander Ketch, who's the head of digital securities at uh, Six Digital Exchange. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the show. Thank you. All right. So how's Cybills going for you today? Uh, tiring, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it's the fourth day, so uh, we're getting to the end. Uh, lots of meetings, a lot of uh, discussions around digital assets, tokenization, and the future of finance. So uh, that's exactly why I'm, why I'm here, right? Right. Indeed. I think every bank that's here is talking about tokenization of assets, uh, whether they're real world assets or uh, like natively issued assets. I have a lot of conversations here at Cyclos and presentations on the topic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But maybe before getting to know you a little bit better, can you tell us a bit about uh, Six Digital Exchange and exactly what it is you do at Six Digital Exchange? Sure. So Six Digital Exchange is part of the Six Group, which is the exchange group in Switzerland and in Spain. So it's the third largest exchange group uh, in Europe with the LSE and Deutsche Börse. And the Six Digital Exchange part is the future proofing of the infrastructure. So it's we are operating an exchange and a depository licensed on a blockchain. So we, it means that we're natively issuing bonds on blockchain and trade natively issued bonds on blockchain. We also tokenize existing assets, be it private equities, for example, and other type of financial instrument. That's one part. That's the part of I'm taking care of. Yeah. Then we have another section that is about crypto, uh, crypto custody, staking, and uh, liquidity access services for institutional players. Yeah. And so from the, let's say, for the, the digital asset space, not the crypto part, but um, uh, when you're doing, are you covering kind of the full life cycle then from the issuance to the custody to the um, liquidity provision with the exchange, I guess? Absolutely. So it's really from issuance to asset servicing through redemption and everything yeah. as automated as possible leveraging blockchain technology. Right. Very cool. And um, you mentioned bonds, I think, and equity are there and private equity. So I guess there's a host of different uh, asset classes that are at this stage and we're expanding to structured product, to funds, to based on customer demand. Really, it's really about uh, helping the banks to start tokenizing assets that they, they want to manage more efficiently. Yeah. And uh, as an infrastructure, which is multi-party, neutral, uh, we support the access to those assets to not only one bank's specific customers, but the entire Swiss markets and international players uh, using our platform. Right. I got to ask a question about regulations and things like that. I think, uh, so you're licensed in Switzerland and um, would you say that Switzerland is a very conducive environment for setting up such an exchange? Are there other jurisdictions that you think are interesting or kind of at the same level where it'd be possible to set up something similar? Yeah, Switzerland is definitely uh, forward-looking in that space. They have been for the last five to six years, both on the crypto side and on the tokenization and the use of blockchain for managing financial instruments, mm -hmm. to the point that at, by the end of the year, we're actually going to have a, a live set of transactions in CBDCs, so Swiss franc CBDC, so the Swiss National Bank connecting to our platform to enable CBDC settlements of DVP transactions. Right. Other jurisdiction, definitely Singapore. Used to be there for 10 years, so right. I've practiced it. Uh, Singapore and now more and more the Middle East uh, are, are getting uh, geared up. Of course, you have Europe that is catching up with MICA and other proper regulations. Yeah. The US is a bit behind uh, because of um, their regulatory structure, let's say, not to, not to be uh, too mean with them. How does it? Better to be that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You never know, we might want to do business in the US one day. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Good. 
And can you tell us a bit about your, yourself and your background and, you know, walk us through the journey of the roles at, at Bank of New York and now moving on, I'm sure there's a number of steps in between, but, and before and proceeding, but uh, coming to where you are today at uh, Six Digital Exchange. Sure. So I started at the Bank of New York, as you rightly pointed out, and starting to know the business from zero. Right. I'm a translator by degree, nothing to do with finance. So right. uh, Bank of New York is a nice school for people to start uh, in the sense that you start in operations, you start to get to know what an equity is, a fixed income instrument is, what a corporate action is, what all the, the life cycle of an instrument. And progressively, I, I got very passionate by the standardization part of the process and improving of the process. So um, the adoption of ISO standards, for example. So I moved to SWIFT for 18 years, where I was focusing mostly on building standards in the standards department. Right. So it's all the, the things, the messaging, the, uh, the data layers, the data in our orchestration that is uh, behind the banking and the financial industry, yeah. identifiers as well, and so on and so forth. Um, then I was sent to Singapore to launch a center of expertise for standards and uh, to run their securities and FX business there. Spent 10 years in Singapore. Then I discovered blockchain and digital assets. Uh, what, what year was that actually? I, it was in 2016, 2015, I would say. Read the Bitcoin white paper like everybody. Didn't get it completely at the time, to be honest, but yeah. I think it's Ethereum that really opened my eyes to the potential of blockchain. Here you have in front of you an infrastructure that is digital asset agnostic, where you can swap any assets, again, any assets, yep. real time, 24-7. Yep. That's mind-blowing. When you have worked in post-trade like me before, yep. we say that's the technology we've been waiting for to yep. enable atomic settlement, to enable more efficient flows of value than today. So I tried to convince Swift to get more engaged into that new technology, lots of denials at the beginning. <laughs> Yeah. But nevertheless, at one point, I decided to leave Swift to launch my own company yeah. uh, around crypto right. called OnChain Custodian. It still exists, but I exist in Singapore. Yes. It's in Singapore. Yes. Yes. I exited uh, two years ago, but it still exists. It's custody and prime brokerage service around crypto. Yeah. Not only Bitcoin and, and ETH and other cryptocurrency, native cryptocurrencies, but also tokenized gold, for example. And right. it starts to look at a real world asset tokenization. After 10 years in Singapore, family-wise, we wanted to go back to Europe. And it closer to the family, so we decided to move back. I then was able to uh, fetch a job at City Ventures as their head of blockchain and digital assets. <laughs> there, my job was to advise the various teams at City around their projects yeah. and help them execute, and also to support investments into blockchain technology, uh, fintechs. Right. Yeah. Only a year there because I was more advising than executing. Yeah. So I was approached by the Six Digital Exchange to uh, run their digital exchange and uh, CSD uh, on the blockchain. Then that was a no-brainer from the right. Yep. Got a couple of questions in my mind, but I think I'll come back to that afterwards. But uh, and within your role today, what does a, a typical day look like? Yeah. So a typical day is about uh, identifying the next use case for using of blockchain and digital asset. And it has to come from customer understanding of the potential of that technology. It's a real paradigm shift. So today, banks operate in centralized silos and then needs to reconcile information through messages using Swift, for example. Yep. That's fine. But the beauty of blockchain is that you have the ability now to actually not have value on the edge and then reconcile information. You actually have the opportunity to have value on the network. Yep. which is something that is mind-blowing for most people, mm -hmm. especially that when you say it at it's digital asset agnostic, so maybe, meaning you can have cash, you can have securities, you can have tokenized gold, you can have collectibles, you can have copyrights on the same infrastructure, yep. anything of value. So it's a lot of education, it's 
preparing the customers to the next step is doing a step-by-step approach to uh, enabling that technology. Yep. So that's my day-to-day, really. It's right. about promoting the concepts, working with customers on use cases, yep. evolving the platform around collateral management, for example. That's what we're currently doing because we think there's a lot of potential about uh, velocity of collateral with tokenized assets <laughs> and prepare for the next step that will keep our customers more than 20 by the end of the year happy about what we're doing and engaged. I have another question. If you were to look at the number of assets and that you're servicing or, or within a six digital exchange today, I'm curious to hear a bit because you do both the cryptocurrencies as well as digital assets. Correct. Is it a, an even split between the two or is No, it's not because we started by digital assets. So we didn't start by crypto. Crypto is a relatively new service. Yep. So we're onboarding the first customers on the crypto service uh, right. side of things. Right. We're more mature, uh, two, three years. I don't know if it's maturity, two, three years, but anyway, in the tokenized space. So there we have uh, close to 800 million Swiss franc uh, tokenized currently with an extra few billion coming in the six months to 12 months to go. It's still very low and very low in terms of volumes, in terms of issuance, but that's expected. So we don't think this will happen overnight. We think it's going to take probably between five to 15 years, to be honest, to become a fully mainstream mature ecosystem, but we need to do it step by step and build piece by piece. Yeah. In the podcast, I usually would ask, like, um, what state is your your organization at from a digital transformation perspective? But actually, I think more fitting in in your case, it would be to ask, as a capital markets, as an industry, where would you say the industry is from a digital transformation perspective? I would say that now we're out of denial phase. So, you know, when there is this change map, that any change leads to uh, first denial and then acceptance and then... uh, you start implementing, and I think we are at accepting stage, really. Uh, all the meetings I had uh, during the week, all the banks are now convinced that tokenization on blockchain will be part of the future, uh, to what extent we will see, and they're all preparing for it. So yeah. the banks are uh, hiring the right technology providers to help them with wallet solutions, and there are a few out there now that are mature and institutional great infrastructures like the Six Group uh, and other FMIs, in other words, also start offering uh, issuance on blockchain as a service uh, and tokenization platform. And that actually leads to fragmentation. And strangely, it should be leading to something that is common, but we we, we more into a fragmentation phase, which is also a logical uh, step into a change management. And if I could jump in there for a second, because we saw like in the blockchain space, if you go back to 2015, 2016, 2017, uh, there was kind of an exuberance about putting everything related to trade finance on chain. Mm-hmm. And what happened is that you had a fragmentation, like you're, you're describing, where there were different consortia set up, all of them building on different permission blockchains. And uh, at the end of the day, you've got like, let's say 15 different consortia. Uh, one is built on Fabric, one on Corda, one on, you name it, mm-hmm. um, but uh, they don't communicate. So mm-hmm. and uh, as a, yeah, let's say an international trading organization or a logistics company, it might be that my customer is you know, starting on one, mm-hmm. then needs to hop onto the next islands, uh, fragmented part. And so forth. So, but and you see what's happened. I think in now the in trade finance, it's consolidating a bit. Mm-hmm. Some of the uh, consortia that were set up for that have, have gone away now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, I guess it's the same. It's the same in the tokenization of assets. Yep. Everybody's building on different sets of infrastructures, which is natural because you want to try it first and in a very uh, ring fenced way and uh, to avoid risks and so on. But it, it's not sustainable, right? So we're currently already in discussions with banks to see how we can bridge. Their tokenization islands, as I call it, with with our multi-party infrastructure. I guess that's the advantage of an FMI is that we don't only work for ourselves. We are connected to all the banks 
either through SDX, but also through the link that we have with the traditional exchange right. and the traditional CSD, meaning that anything on our platform can also be traded traditionally, which right. is important, yeah. to, uh, avoid uh, breaking liquidity. So those discussions of bridging, those discussions of evolving towards a common platform or at least interoperable platforms yeah. is starting now. So it will take another couple of years before um, we, we can really talk about interoperability in this space. Yeah. And I, I don't usually go so far into blockchain technology on, on the podcast, but uh, since I have you here, I'm going to ask a few more things. Yep. If we talk about what we saw in, in, I mentioned the trade finance app, but it was a lot on permission blockchains. Uh -huh. uh, I think I don't know of too many, and maybe none that were actually built natively on a, on a, a public uh, blockchain. What's your view, public, private, hybrid? Where do you see the future? So we currently are operating on a private blockchain. It's a Corda-based blockchain. And why? Simply because when we started building it five years ago, it, you would not be able to talk about public chains to regulators and to the Swiss National Bank, for example. That has evolved significantly. The, the public chains now have a layer two capabilities uh, around privacy, around security, around velocity of transactions. So what we will likely see is a hybrid model in the long run. Unfortunately, I don't think we will have one blockchain like we have one internet that everybody uses, but we will have likely a, a hybrid of private public private enclave on public and all those type of setups based on use cases, but interoperable, hopefully. Yeah. That will take, in my view, another at least five years technologically to have that in place. Yeah. You have entities that are helping with that interoperability, like Chainlink, I was yeah. mentioning to you before the interview, yeah. which uh, these are interesting concepts to, to support the interoperability of blockchains. Yeah, yeah. very good. And uh, the next question I want to ask is about which technologies are get you excited. So, of course, we've talked a lot about blockchain, but there's other technologies like AI, machine learning, quantum, all that stuff. Yeah, well, I'm going to look like very hypey uh, by saying AI, but it is really exciting. And I've, uh, we at SDX have a program around AI where every department looks at the technology and its capabilities and how it could help being more productive, actually. And we've identified quite a few use cases already around simply marketing material, writing uh, or reviewing, but also around coding. So the co-pilot type of approach that uh, Microsoft has and others have uh, in terms of helping create code. And that's quite important if you want to be in a world where technology evolves so quickly, especially in the blockchain space, that you have the capability to follow and be able to program your infrastructure uh, faster than before and, and with more reliability. But the most, uh, my view, the most, the biggest use case for AI uh, in will be front-end user experience, right? So I think in the future, we won't no longer connect to our bank account or to our security service uh, app. We will just use AI and AI behind the scene will connect to all the services that we are KYC'd in right. and execute based on our requests saying, uh, I want to send uh, 1,000 uh, euro to my sister in Canada. I want it to be fast. I don't care about the price. Never. AI will look at the best solution to do that faster, and I don't care about the price. If I want to care about the price, it will try to find the best route. Yep. Could go via traditional payment, it go via crypto payment. Could, we don't know, but, yep. but that's going to be the major breakthrough of that technology. Yeah, it's uh, I think, user experience. Yeah, that's really cool because that'll be like yeah, abstracting away everything that underlies and just make it. Uh, I had a, a human. Make it talking. It's talking yeah. to a machine like you would talk to, you, like I'm talking to you now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. That's an interesting vision for the future, and uh, I think uh, but probably a few years out before that's uh, that's the case indeed. For sure. Very cool, but also I like the idea that you mentioned about using probably generative AI then to help with coding exercises. And um, yeah, I've seen other instances of like, whether it's coding or testing or, yeah, you name it. It's an accelerator and enhancer to uh, what engineers can do. 
So, and uh, just going to zoom back to you for a minute and uh, looking at your career path. Mm-hmm. And um, so for aspiring digital leaders out there that are listening to the podcast, what skills do you think they need to focus on developing the most? Well, it's soft skills more than hard skills in my view. It's really about being curious about the world and never believe you know something. That's in my view how I've evolved in my career is always trying to find a better solution to something I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. I was doing that at the Bank of New York and I was doing that at Swift. I was, doing, I was like, of course, doing that in my uh, blockchain and crypto experience. It's always trying to find the best solution for the customers and never believe that you know you have the truth. It, you never have the truth. It's always changing and be humble about, about everything, really. Yeah. Uh, being open to discussions like we have today, being able to learn, open to learning something, being open to be wrong. And that's the key uh, ingredients in my view. Right. Openness. And what's the most difficult thing about your job today? I would say it's the frustration of understanding the potential of digital asset agnostic infrastructure and knowing that it's going to take so long to put in place. Uh, that's <laughs> the, It's the impatience of, uh, yeah, we have this amazing thing in our hands, but because of the traditional change management process, the complexity of the world we live in, uh, it's not going to happen in uh, overnight. It's yeah. going to happen five, 10, 15 years. So that's the most complicated part, yeah. and frustrating part. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned that you got into, or you read the, the white paper in um, 2000, yeah, 2015, 16, yeah. something like that. So you saw it then, and we're still trying to execute on it. Or trying, exactly. Trying to get it done. Yeah, absolutely. It's a long journey, but as you said, the regulations, work processes, change management, it's a, it is a journey, not a, not a sprint. Yeah. Good. Uh, you talk to a lot of people. Uh, that's uh, obviously, I like the, the curiosity part and that drives you to have these conversations. But would you say, are there any misconceptions that people have about what it means to operate a digital exchange? Well, maybe that's the tendency based on the past and especially based on crypto in the crypto industry um, meltdown that we've seen in the past is that it's an unregulated world and, and that we are cowboys and that we're not structured and that we don't care. And blah, blah. That, that's, that's maybe one of the misconceptions uh, Everybody cares at Six Digital Exchange because first we're part of a bigger group called Six Group, which is in existence for more than a hundred years. We we can't we can't break things. Right? We have to make it as a market infrastructure resilient. It has to be in line with compliant with regulations. It has to be technologically savvy and 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 functioning. And that's maybe one of the misconceptions. We're not cowboys. We are professionals, institutional grades professional. Right. Yeah. Very good. Okay. And um, for professionals out there that are interested in, let's say, getting into digital assets and security space, how would you advise them to get into the space? Well, it depends where they are. If they're already in the banking industry, it's quite easy to step the other way around, as long as you understand the vision that I've just described of this potential of a 24-7 digital asset agnostic infrastructure. I am repeating myself because I think it's the way you you get people to get it. If you get that, it's just a question of learning a little bit about blockchain, playing with it. So go on Ethereum, uh, download a MetaMask wallet, buy some Ethereum and play with it and, you know, pledge them in Aave for uh, against another coins and then swap that coin on Uniswap just to try it out and, and have that feel of this digital asset agnostic infrastructure. That's what Ethereum is already. Yeah. And from there, you, you can really help uh, open your mind and, and, and start learning more and more and then apply for drops. And there are drops uh, opening in at every financial institutions I know, and also to more crypto native companies. Yeah. I saw some uh, statistics, uh, I think 2022, 2023, the job growth in the blockchain space was 514%. So there's, I'm not surprised. <laughs> and by the way, all those guys learned on the job. Yeah. Because there's no university degrees on blockchain. Well, they start to be, they're starting, but, yeah. uh, but it's, it's, it's most yeah. of our, us just learn uh, on the job and try it out. Yeah. 
Last question before we wrap it up. Are there any, let's say, new things coming with, with Six Digital Exchange that you'd like to, uh, to share with the audience? Yeah, so the central bank digital currency usage and, and real life transactions that we're going to have by the end of the year, that's critical because this thing that we've just discussed will not work without central bank money on it and commercial bank money on it. So it's important that uh, stable coins is fine, but it's not institutional grade. Right. Works for retail, but it doesn't work for, for, for institutions. That's one. And I guess the next exciting stuff is about the start of a bridging of bespoke platforms that are today isolated from one another. I think that will be very useful for the, the, the next step towards that future I just described. Yeah. Great. And um, for anyone that's um, listening to the podcast today and they'd like to follow you or to follow Six Digital Exchange, where can they find you? Well, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm very active there. I'm, not, I'm less active on Twitter, but I'm also there. Yeah. And, uh, well, we have a, a LinkedIn page at SDX so, and a website, so sdx.com, where we try to post as many educative, small clips, videos to help people get what we're doing, but also uh, understand the future of finance. Great. Alexander, once again, thanks a lot for joining me here at Cybels for, uh, for the recording. And uh, looking forward to, you know, I'd love to touch base in a couple of months, maybe have you back on the show and uh, get a few updates on how the, towards the end of the year, how the launch of the uh, digital, central bank digital currency integration is going. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chief Digital Heroes, brought to you by Settlement, the world's leading blockchain transformation platform. To learn more about Settlement or to access the latest episodes, visit settlement.com.